millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Our sense of hearing isn't nearly as well developed as our sense of sight. And as we devote less of our brain power to perceiving sounds, it's relatively easy to trick the human ear into hearing things that aren't actually there. I enjoyed this BBC doco called Ghosts in the Machine recently, which explores these kind of audio hallucinations with host Laurie Taylor. I don't know how to call you up, but if you're there, I'm quite sure to know that we are anxious to hear from you. I'm a rationalist. Anybody who wishes to talk. In fact, I'm currently president of the Rationalist Association. So, one of the last people, you might think, to hear imaginary voices. Of course, like everyone else, I sometimes mishear. For years, I thought the Beatles sang, Help me get my feed bag on the ground. But mishearing the odd lyric, excuse me while I kiss this guy, Jose, can you see by the dawn's early light, gladly my cross-eyed bear? Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Well, it's a long way away from claiming to hear secret messages. (laughs) But just over a month ago, Around, around two o'clock in the morning, as I was lying in bed listening to a World Service report on the, on the growth of European populism, I distinctly heard another voice speaking underneath that of the reporter. A voice which seemed to be talking in gospel-like tones about the end of the world. The populist nationalist movement, not only in France, in Italy, Germany... The quest to find out some more about these strange, otherworldly noises in recorded sounds takes Laurie Taylor down a rabbit hole of electronic voice phenomena or EVP research. The first voice is that of Margareta Petrowski. This is a real piece of evidence collected by the godfather of electronic voice phenomena, Konstantin Raudive, and his anonymous, rather stern, female assistant. How she felt in the beyond, and a voice identified as coming from Margareta answered, Bedenke. Ich bin. Imagine, I am. Bedenke, ich bin. Anne Winsper. If you actually listen carefully and frequently, the sounds bear no relation to what they actually think they've been saying. Koste, tu tick na. Inevitably, people are told what they should be hearing on the clip before they actually listen to it. You have a rabbit on your head. Raudiver did the same. He would sit people down, tell them what they should be hearing, and if they heard what he thought they should, they were classed as good listeners and given lots of other clips to listen to. If they said, I don't actually hear that, they were classed as bad listeners and he never used them again. 
electronic voice phenomena as a manifestation of auditory illusions. They are auditory illusions, but the mechanisms that produce those illusions are exactly the same as the mechanisms that produce what we normally perceive as being reality. Musician and writer Joe Banks. Almost everything that EVP researchers do to try and convince people that these phenomena are really ghosts strongly resembles some kind of psychoacoustics demonstration from the psychology of hearing. You know? When I heard that I was going to meet you, I thought, yeah. what sort of weirdo are you going to turn out to be? <laughs> and I now realise you're using it to explore the phenomenon of auditory... Auditory perception. Auditory perception. The yes, whole the... phenomenon of auditory perception. I wrote a book called Rorschach Audio. The, the basic premise of the book is that the way the mind perceives auditory images, so to speak, is similar to the way we see, say, monstrous faces in a Rorschach inkblot test. That's fascinating. Here she is now, Ellen DeGeneres. Electronic voice phenomena may not actually be voices from the beyond, but it's still telling us something very interesting about how our auditory perceptual systems work. Sophie Scott is a cognitive neuroscientist at University College London. All right, how many of you have heard of this Laurel and Yanny thing? Earlier this year, an auditory illusion went viral. This went absolutely huge. It was one piece of speech which people could hear in different ways, and people were getting very excited about why that was. Laurel. Laurel. What are you hearing now? Laurel. Quite right. It's Yanni. Laurel. Okay, how many people hear Yanni? Laurel. Laurel. No. I was completely wrong. The word wasn't Yanni at all. It was Laurel. Laurel. Okay, how many people hear Laurel? <laughs> all right, the people who hear Yanni, um, I'm going to have to ask you to leave because uh, <laughs> it's crazy, though, isn't it? I mean, we the speech the could be heard thing. as either Laurel or Yanni. So people are absolutely adamant that they could hear one of them. They could hear Laurel and they couldn't hear Yanni, and they really couldn't understand how somebody could hear it differently. Laurel. Laurel. When the brain solved a problem, it tends to stick with that. So once you've heard it as Laurel, it's very, very, very hard to hear it as Yanni. But it's also often a characteristic of humans. We can find it very difficult to imagine somebody else could be perceiving the world differently from us. And of course, they very easily can. You can think of a great deal of human artistic endeavour as being exploring these perceptual characteristics. So a lot of the skill in music composition is playing around with the figure ground, what's standing out at any one time in a piece of music, what's being used to group together different themes in an orchestra. One of the joys of listening to what's called polyphonic music, music that's got a lot of different voices at once, is being able to kind of sort of take a perceptual tour around what's going on, what's coming in, how can I listen to it? There's a phenomenon in perception called pareidolia. That's when our brains can't help detecting familiar things in random patterns. You know the sort of thing, woman sees Jesus in a piece of burnt toast. You can have auditory pareidolia too. And it's when we start interpreting these patterns as meaningful, what the psychologist Klaus Conrad called apophenia, that the fun really begins. Back in the winter of 2009, a toy company on the south coast started selling a model of a cheeky mouse wearing a Santa hat. How cute! But that wasn't all. Our cute little cheeky mouse also had a little song. How sweet! But wait a moment. 
What were the first words of that tune? Oh, of course, no problem there. Silly of me. Jingle bells. But that wasn't how many good citizens of Bournemouth heard it. Indeed, according to the Bournemouth Echo, a veritable moral panic swept the city. Adrian Williams, a 26-year-old IT worker, summed up the problem for the paper. It sounds, he said, a lot more like pedophile. And now that I've told you about the auditory concerns of all those Bournemouth residents, you may also find it almost impossible to take auditory exception to their claims. Our ears are very susceptible to trickery. We are more prone to illusions of sound than we are to illusions of vision. Diana Deutsch is a professor of psychology at the University of California, San Diego. She's one of the world's foremost experts on auditory perception and processing. A surprising characteristic of the hearing mechanism is that it involves a remarkably small amount of neural tissue. If we take the visual system, there are about 125 million photoreceptors, rods and cones, in each eye, but we have remarkably few auditory receptors, which are called hair cells, roughly 15,000 in each ear, with only 3,500 sending signals up to the brain. So we are actively engaged, really, in compensating. We're scrabbling around, if you like, trying to make sense of the auditory world. Absolutely. Given what a small amount of information the hearer system has to draw on, it's not surprising that it draws on experience, attention, expectation and emotion. And so we create for ourselves sound that really are different from those in the outside world. That scrabbling around, those different ways of interpreting auditory inputs can have strange effects, as Diana found out one day, by accident. One afternoon, I was fine-tuning the CD I was preparing on music and the brain, and I was looping phrases so that I could hear them over and over and over and over and over and over again. The opening commentary to the CD contains the following sentence. The sounds as they the appear to you appear are, not to you are not only different from those that are really present, but they sometimes behave so strangely as to seem quite impossible. They sometimes behave so strangely as to seem quite impossible. They sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. So Diana leaves the tape looping round and round, pops out of the studio and goes next door to make a cup of tea. As she's sitting there with her brew, suddenly it appeared to me that a strange woman was singing. The phrase had perceptually morphed from speech into song by the simple process of repetition. So strangely, so strangely, so strangely, so strangely. Well, so what you might think. We've all had the weird experience of an earworm when a rhythm, tune or melody seems to get stuck in your head by dint of mental repetition. But it's when you hear the whole phrase one more time that something rather unexpected happens. It starts in the grey, mundane tones of speech. And then... 
when it comes to the phrase that had been repeated, it seems that I burst into song. The sounds as they appear to you are not only different from those that are really present, but they sometimes behave so strangely as to seem quite impossible. Some auditory assumptions are commonplace. How about your own present auditory assumptions that radio presenters like myself are using fresh talk? That we're just chatting, talking. That we're speaking, how can I put this, naturally, rather than, well, you know, reading from a script in a manner which we've, which we've learned, more or less, uh, how can I put this, to make sound spontaneous. Thanks, Ned. And it's... Oh, sorry, I just elbowed the microphone. <laughs> That's the thrill of live radio, I suppose. Which reminds me... <laughs> sorry about that, just my little radiophonic bomb mo. No, really, I am live. I'm not on tape now, because my piece this morning is so very topical. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. You can take a joke too far. For was it not Mr Martin Fisher, the doyen of light Victor Lewis-Smith on Radio 4's Loose Ends, deliciously shattering at least half a dozen radio talk conventions in approximately 26 seconds. Of course, in the wrong hands, that type of oral mischievousness can be merely self-serving. But at its best, whether in drama or comedy or music, it exercises, expands our auditory muscles. This auditory phenomenon is called the shepherd risse glissando, or slide, and apparently ascending sound which somehow much like an M.C. Escher staircase, never quite ascends. It's been used by film composers and sound designers to ramp up an intangible feeling of anxiety, a sense of restless yet unfulfilled striving. And if I flip it over... Hang on just a moment. How's that? Well, I suspect that even now, your heads are beginning to droop. Diana Deutsch again. People tend to hear something that's quite depressing. When I play these glides to my class, they just start nodding their heads and bowing lower and lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And lower. But let's not nod off before we reach some sort of conclusion. Before a proper scientific recognition that although an empire of nonsense has been built upon claims to hear voices coming from above the clouds and beyond the grave, there are very good, very good reasons for acknowledging that what we hear is often based upon erroneous assumptions. Put it this way, hearing, like seeing, is not always a good basis for believing. Ghosts in the Machine, presented by Laurie Taylor and produced by Stephen Rajam for BBC Wales. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.